It's playoff season in Independent League Baseball, and we're going to break it all down here on the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Episode 28 is upon us now, and I'm back here with, again, part-time host, but really featured guest. <laughs> featured guest. <laughs> of the show, James. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Happy to be back. Another go-round. Uh, you know, obviously, a uh, very exciting time for Independent League Baseball. we got the playoffs coming up in the Atlantic League, and we're in the middle of the playoffs right now for the Can-Am League, so I'm ready and ready to go. Exactly. It's the best time of year. And the only downside to it is it doesn't last longer, and after it, we got a long wait. We're all ready to go on it. We're going to break it all down here. We're going to just kind of cover the Atlantic League first. If you uh, saw the Instagram poll on Indie Ball Report on Instagram, you all have uh, seen we were debating which to do first. I was always kind of leaning towards Can-Am because we want to put them at the end so we give them the most time to talk about. And the Atlantic League is going to be pretty quick to go through. But I just want to get the gauge. Atlantic League won out, at least at the time of recording. This was just 3.30 in the afternoon. So, let's get talking on the Atlantic League, which is, uh, we're basically set in stone there, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's pretty much where it is. Your your good teams are real good. Uh, You know, your your best of the best are in. And then you have your teams that are just not, not doing it. And, you know, I think the biggest surprise from where we talked about early on was was Somerset. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're pretty much done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Somerset, especially after a strong first half, has really uh, come on disappointed. Now, of course, they got uh, Mike Antonini back, who has helped. But uh, even still, the pitching's not necessarily their only problem at the moment. And just by reinforcing it and trying to build yourself in the same model as you did in the uh, first half, isn't really going to work here in the second half because they just have such a deficit from just... Really god awful offense. Yeah, they have terrible, just putrid offense. And like you're saying, they've got some guys back, but it's really not enough. And you've lost some of those really big arms, your Kubiaks, those really big players yeah. who really did uh, kind of lead them to that first uh, first half of the year and really got them through it and got them playing well. But unfortunately, that's not happening right now, and it doesn't look good for their playoff hopes. They're all but diminished. <laughs> exactly. I mean, technically, they're still alive. They just yep. need. A lot of help now. It's not one of those things they can really do on their own. Need a little bit of luck. Especially with New Britain coming on strong, which I want to say I'm surprised, but they did the same thing in the uh, first half of the season, where they were pretty putrid for the first couple weeks, and then came on really strong, and now have kind of uh, starting to plateau a little bit. So technically they're still alive, but I just don't, you know, I don't see it. Yeah, I think it's a similar thing they did in the first half. They're going to really start the engine going, and then kind of as things get close to the end, it looks like it's going to fizzle out. They're not going to get to where they, they want to be. But it says something about the team, that yeah. it's a very resilient bunch. We said that uh, Oh, yeah, 20 and 10 half. over their last month is definitely very strong. Very yeah, good. especially for a team that didn't have a whole lot of hope going in. You know, maybe the people thought they were going to be a little bit uh, lower than they've been. So I think it's a really good sign moving forward for the organization that if they could retain maybe one or two of those big bats that they have, yeah. they might be all right. But if they can't do it, um, you know, I don't think in the long term, certainly in the long term, they might be better off. In the short term, I think they're not going to make the, the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a little bit of uh, too little too late. If they would have started this a bit earlier, I think I could have seen it. Uh, I think it's the lack of free peanuts that are holding them back a it bit, is. too. It is, 100%. The lack of free peanuts, they just they won't give me the free peanuts. We've tried all season. Exactly. We're going to have to try even next season. It's unbelievable. Exactly. We're just going to keep on pushing it. And next season, who knows, maybe we go up to New Britain with a giant sign that says free peanuts. Absolutely. I mean, and if they don't give me free peanuts then, we're going to have a problem. I mean, we might get thrown out of New Britain Stadium. You never know. <laughs> Over peanuts. Oh, uh, you know, peanuts? There's not a more just cause. Free peanuts are a serious thing. Come on now. You gotta free the peanuts. <laughs> Any case, there's still, just back onto the topic, New Britain, once again, very hot streak team, very good team so far in this, streaky, last, yeah. in this last bit here, but once again, I just see them plateauing a bit. I think they've dug themselves a bit too deep of a hole because they just went to the All-Star break and all their momentum just kind of fizzled out and died. 
And plus, you got to kind of look at their competition and compare that to what they've uh, kind of played this past month to, as that had any sort of an effect. As yeah, well. I agree. They've been playing, their schedule's been a little bit easier lately, and they're just overall a team that is very streaky, like you said. They're mm-hmm. hot one minute, they're cold the next, they're going to go into a stretch where they're 20 and 10, and then they go into stretches where they're 10 and 20. I mean, it's just one of those teams that's very up and down. Those teams often don't make uh, the playoffs. But if they get hot at the right time, yeah. you never know. But it seems that it came, like you were saying, a little bit a little yeah. too late. Yeah, I do like the man, uh, Dakota Smith, though, who's a very hard thrower. We saw him at the uh, Can-Am League All-Star Game playing yep. for Frontier League. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He can get up there on the gun, like high 90s. Problem is, he has no location. No location, and his off-speed pitch is awful. I mean, I, when oh, yeah, we no, saw that doesn't. thing, we were joking about it. I mean, that thing couldn't even bounce before the plate. He He's better off just throwing rockets by it, like 98. Oh, yeah, no, that's his whole thing here. No, I think working in New Britain... With uh, that whole staff, I think could definitely help him out, though, I think. I agree. If he could just develop that secondary pitch well and get a little bit more control on that fastball, he could really be a talented player. I agree. I think if he develops a secondary pitch, I mean, he doesn't even need too much location, uh, too much control for a one-inning guy. If you look at even some of the big names in, in Major League Baseball, like Aroldis Chapman, he just kind of throws oh, yeah. it wherever it's going. He doesn't care. And so he's got the velocity to be that type. He just needs a secondary pitch, a slider, a changeup, a breaking ball, something that'll help him uh, a little bit. And if he can do that, he's got a future not only in the Atlantic League, but perhaps beyond. Oh, yeah. No, he could definitely, I could see him back in affiliated ball. He's young enough where it makes sense. He just needs to get some control, and I do think he needs that secondary pitch. Because while he throws hard, he throws hard for kind of independent league baseball. Right. I mean, everyone in Major League Baseball is throwing in the 90s now. Unless you're Jason Vargas, in which case you're throwing that mid-80s changeup, or mid-80s fastball, rather. So, you kind of got to throw hard. It's kind of like a prereq. Yeah, you got to throw hard. But he throws harder than even, I think, the the median. I think he throws a little bit harder than what your median uh, MLB pitcher throws. But, like you said, he needs to develop at least a little bit of location on that fastball to be able to say... If I want it up, he needs to at least be able to get it up, really. Yeah. What we saw was a pitcher who was, you know, the catcher would set up away. He'd throw it, you know, 95 inside, and yeah. he'd be like, well, it's good enough for... Uh, yeah, he know. can get away with it, but if with, with better hitters at the plate, right? you know, with guys that have more plate discipline or just they can just connect with it better, it's going to be a problem. Because, I mean, when you're throwing 95, a missed pitch is going one of two places. If you're going to be a walk or it's going to be out of the yard. Yeah. And so that's, that's how it works. Yeah. So I agree that if he, they, if he gets developed a little bit, he might have a shot at, you know, reaching to different levels. Uh, yeah. so that's very interesting. Yeah. No, I, I just want to point out Dakota Smith being a nice addition there. Yeah. Although I think kind of in the New Britain category, kind of swinging back towards, uh, teams that have done too little too late. Lancaster came on strong, although they've been long since buried. Yeah, dead for a while now. In fact, although they always have uh, Somerset's number. They, they do, always yeah. give them fits. Every time we go to Seamus, or it seems like whenever we go to Somerset, we see Lancaster playing Somerset, and it's always Lancaster beating their brains in for whatever reason. It makes it's no incredible. Sense. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, I really put Southern Maryland to the grouping, though, because they've had a nice hot streak lately. They had a bit of a hot streak to start. But they've just kind of had very peaks and valleys type season so far. Yeah, and it's not, like, in between peaks and valleys. It's not, you know, oh, some weeks they played really well, and some weeks they played not so good. It's the worst team in the Atlantic League, or or the top one or two. I mean, that's just the way they Oh, yeah, no, it's just been, like, they've been just got off at stretches, and then they go out and they do very good. They have, like, Tony Thomas and Kent Blackstone there that do very well. Ruby Silva, again, I'm still meeting that drum where he's, <laughs> he's underrated. He is. They have pieces there. Latos has been very good in the bullpen. They've had some very good uh, starters as well throughout the year. If we were in the middle of July, even if we were in the beginning of August and they were doing this, I'd go, oh, well, maybe they have a shot at it. But again, it's just, I think, too little, too late. I agree. With York having come out of nowhere, really, since that uh, first four or five week stretch where they were just putrid. And then that would break shot up. Yep. So they have that division on lockdown, which means one wild card spot, and they're not going to get that wild card spot. High Point's got that locked up at this point, yeah. even despite their struggles as of recent. Yeah, unless High Point goes even worse than they they're are right now. If they really Unless they really lose it, I, I think you're right. I think High Point is the team there. But uh, I have to give a lot of lot of love to York. Uh, you know, I hated on them a little bit earlier in the year. I said that they were only going to win 25 games. That was resoundingly not true. Um, and they've done a fantastic job 
of recovering and those pieces where they've done a really good job of was adding pieces during the year. The original roster as constructed wasn't as good, but they've added a lot of additions that is really They've helped of, up their bullpen a lot. Yeah, a a lot, lot of guys have helped out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely a big thing there. Plus, losing Detweiler early on hurt them, but since then they've kind of come around. Plus, I think the biggest thing was their bats finally woke up and they started hitting like they could, like they're supposed to. I agree. And I think uh, losing him early on, uh, Detweiler early on, helped them because it, it, he, they lost him early, as opposed to the, the Patriots who lost Kubiak later in the year. Oh, absolutely. So, it, you know, now they can build around, okay, we have these guys, not just this one guy. And so I think by removing Detweiler, it helped them to kind of get a little bit more cohesion in the, in the, uh, in the starting rotation and the bullpen as well. And then definitely get a lot of cohesion, like you said, when they're hitting. I mean, their bats have been just on fire. Oh, yeah, Tahada, Nash, Dotel, all of them, all they of just, them. they rake. Yep. It's amazing to see how they're doing. I mean, Nash is closing in on 40 home runs. It's ridiculous. It's so, ridiculous. I mean, he's just, he's out of this world good when it comes to hitting. Even fielding wise, he's all right. Yeah. It's just, then when those bats are cold, that is not a good team. No. And now, granted, they're like I said, their pitching has definitely picked up their game a lot, but particularly the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Like you're saying yeah. But man, it's I'm waiting for the bats to cool down. You know, it's I really hope, happen. I hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. Oh, I hope not too. It'd be a nice comeback from behind. Plus, you know, we need something to come back to bite us. Oh yeah, I really need something to come back and, and get me on my hot take there. Exactly. We haven't had anything yet come back and bite both of us on this show. Well. This is looking like the one. Yeah, this looks like the one. It really looks like the one right now, where they're going to come up. Because Sugarland doesn't look that good. They didn't even look that good in the first half. They're looking even worse in the second half. Yeah. Long Island's been scorching hot as of late. They have. So, I mean, they got that going for them. But even still, there's something about them I don't really uh, trust. Especially when you have 43-year-old Lou Ford leading the way. Look, Lou Ford is a champ, all right? Oh, I'm not hating on Lou Ford. I'm just saying he's 43, and this hot streak can only last for so long. It's gonna last forever, man. He's never. He's gonna hit until he's eighty. I, I you know, I want to see it, but at the same time, it's still Lou Ford is not going to be. If you're banking on Lou Ford being your guy, it's a problem. It's a problem, but I mean, at the same time, though, he's hitting like three hundred over his last so many games. At forty three, he's having a damn good year. It's a good year for forty three, right? I mean, really, I'm. If I had that kind of a season at age forty three, I wouldn't complain at all. If I had that kind of a season at age twenty three, I'd be happy. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, you want to look back over at the Atlantic League, it, it said how it really is. It really looks like it's going to be High Point, Long Island, and then York and Sugarland at this point. Barring High Point really hitting the skids, or New Britain shooting up out of nowhere to do more than we expect from them, or unless uh, Somerset decides to uh, pick up their game. I which, agree, yeah. Which I don't see that happening. I think they're just too far in the hole at this point. Yeah, I think also mentally that team is worn down. The last time we went, they mm. just looked they looked really worn down, like a team mm. that didn't have a whole lot of fight left in them. Uh, so I think they're pretty much pretty I think much that done. first half really took a lot out of them. Yeah. I think that they were fighting neck and neck with Long Island for so long there that eventually when they lost that and they just hit the cliff and how they lost it in that kind of last series they played towards the end by the All-Star break, when they blew a game they really should have won and then lost another key game, I think it was kind of a, it was always there. Now granted, moments this half, they've looked all right, but all right doesn't get you in the postseason. Yeah, offensively they just don't have enough this year, uh, especially they lost a couple of guys early on, they just don't have enough offensively to get them to where they need to be. Uh, I think that's their biggest issue. Pitching-wise, they're always going to be okay. I mean, they got a couple of good arms, but they just cannot seem to hit the ball consistently to all fields. I mean, they, they, really what they've been doing is they have a couple of guys who can slap at the ball a little bit and, and hit, like, hit a couple of dink, dink and dunkers here and there, but you don't have a big power bat who's going to pull the ball, you know, 300. Oh, they don't have a guy you rely on consistently. Every yeah. other team has one guy, and you're like, okay, we want him up. Exactly. Who's that guy on, on Somerset? It's a Kenger who has had really good stretches at times, but then gone back to average. Is it Alfredo Rodriguez? Is it Espinal, who's been good? Has it been Paredes? Who is it that's the guy you're like, yeah, we want him at the plate if we need a run? Is it Ray Navarro? There's guys here that have had good weeks or good games, but no one that's strung together like an impressive months at a time. And I think that's where their real Achilles heel is. I agree, and I would say Espinal is the one guy that I would want up. 
But yeah. by the same token, he's had his struggles lately as well. So, I mean, who, who exactly. knows? Exactly. There's no one that's like, he's the guy. Like, every right. team should have one guy like that. And for them, it just seems like they don't have that. So, that's kind of where they're at. And I think that's kind of where the Atlantic League is at, seeing as we have spent some a decent enough time on it, about 15 minutes or so on the Atlantic League. So, I think we can move to the Can-Am League now, who's in the midst of a playoff, really playoffs in general, yeah. which have been really fun so far. Or in the, uh, so far through four games. Yeah, nearly going that, like you said, the first Sussex County game was, uh, great for the Miners. They really played well. Um, you know, and they won 10-3, I think. And then, uh, the, the next game, it came back and they, uh, you know, had the Boulders, uh, give it to them, uh, you know, the same way they gave it to them. So they had a, what was it, 11 to, yeah, three or something yeah, like 10 that. 10 3 was the first one, then 11 to 3 was the next one. So, I mean, it, it just shows, you know, if you don't have good pitching and, 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 you know, any team could beat any team on any day, you know? Oh, yeah, no, it shows that anything can flip uh, on a moment's notice in this league. Here. 100%. And we're going to kind of get into all that in a minute. But first, let's talk about uh, New Jersey versus uh, Toy Viva, who's, this was an interesting series because they finished the year in uh, Toy Viva. Yep. And it was a very back and forth kind of thing. New Jersey, I think, for the most part, had a good stranglehold on it. So it was hard to predict coming in because each of them had their strengths. New Jersey's pitching staff, has good pieces to it, but never were really jumping out to me. At least in my eyes, they have like two or three real starters, and then it kind of dives off from there. Uh, guys like Brantley and Butler are really the key pieces there. Uh, Edward Reyes, the pitcher I was thinking of, who's had some really bad starts, but then some really good starts. So for that aspect, I was like, oh, this could be really interesting because pitching staff versus uh, that Agos lineup. I thought it was going to be a good matchup. Plus, New Jersey has a lot of bats. They do. There's no doubt that they do, yeah. Between Alfredo Marte, uh, David Harris, uh, Chirino, Conrad Gregor, uh, more to a lesser extent, Richard Stock being a big guy, yep. Agrassi being another big guy. There's a lot of really good bats on that team. I thought this was going to be a really high-explosive series. And so far... It's been kind of back and forth. Yeah. Just like has. all these series, you know? Yeah, very much an equal series. I think what you're really seeing is two teams that are, are really close to each other in terms of um, their play on the field. Very, very skilled team, like you said, uh, offensively in New Jersey. I mean, you've just got some great bats. Harris and uh, Gregor are really the two that are going to be the, I think the X factors, right? The, the two guys mm-hmm. that upon which the, sh- the series can shift. Yeah, no, I agree with that for the New Jersey side of things. I think uh, if those two guys start getting going like they can, I like their chances an awful lot to come back from the current tied series they're at. Alfredo Marte needs to step up a bit more. He's been kind of quiet so far, so he needs to do a little bit more on his end there for player of the year. He needs to uh, kind of jump out at it. Uh, I'd also like to see Stock continue what he's doing now. He's had a very good series so far, but once again, it's only two games. So we have to wait and see with that if he'll uh, kind of hold up with that. But let's just kind of recap that series right now before we start getting to the real hot and heavy of it. And uh, we'll start with game one. That was in uh, Yogi Berra Stadium. New Jersey won that one 3-0 to take a 1-0 series lead. Uh, it was uh, Baker versus Butler. Baker for uh, Three Rivers, Butler for New Jersey. Quality start by both of them, so they each went seven innings. Butler had the better start, though. Only three hits, two walks, eight Ks. A very solid start all the way around for him in this going. Uh, then we shift to the flip side of things. The Eagles, they just didn't really have that same kind of dominant start from their guy. Uh, they're going to need to get better... Uh, Better efforts from the stars in this series, particularly the stars make everything here. Uh, Jackal bullpen shut down uh, three rivers. Uh, Carlius and Brammer came in. Two innings work. Two innings of work for them. Only one base runner was a hit. Five Ks for them. So very, very good pitching there. Richard Stock two for three, a triple, a home run, two runs scored, two ribbies. So very strong there. Uh, as far as the Eagles go in game one, their offense just got really. St- they got stunted bad. There really wasn't anything going there. I mean, you only have, uh, let's see, six base runners the whole game. That's not how you're going to win a game. So, uh, not great for them. Uh, nobody on a three overs had a multi-hit game. So, it was four hits from four different guys there. So Now, Yogi Berra, the following day, they answered right back. A 5-0 win. So, that tied the series at one apiece. 
Uh, Dominic Mazza was just lights out. Six hits, one one run, seven Ks, and seven innings of work. Shutout ball for him. Reyes, on the other hand, he kind of blew up. Six and a third, so at least he was able to kind of stretch out his start. That's not really a theme we're going to see when we look to the flip series on our hands. Absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, so he allowed 10 hits with five earned runs, four walks, six Ks. So not a very good outing at all for him. However, uh, Matt Dallas came in for New Jersey. He pitched, uh, one and a third, or one and two thirds innings, did not allow a single base runner. He struck out four. So he did do a good job on mop up duty and the rest of the bullpen did well enough to kind of stem the bleeding there. Um, both bullpens so far have been fairly strong. I gotta give them that. No real oopsies from there. Yeah, absolutely. Both bullpens have been strong. Both teams have just been overall pretty strong as well. Uh, I think it's something to to watch is what how deep is uh is going to Trey Rivas uh, bullpen going to be yeah. during the series? I mean, they, during the season they were good, uh, but they only have a couple of arms at the top really. And the question is how deep can their bullpen go if they get into a uh, you know trouble where they're you know throwing. A lot of start, the starter only goes a couple of innings, you know? Oh, yeah, that's going to be the issue. And once again, just overall in the series, it's the stars dictate everything. If you get a good start, you're golden. And that's why going forward, you really got to look at the pitching matchups, I think. Because both teams are very deep offensively. I mean, uh, Albert Martinez has really jumped out. He's been the one guy on three overs in both games has had good games, or at least as good as uh, game one could have been for them. Uh, Martinez just lit them up the uh, following game, though. He had a really strong game. Uh, Gladeau and Nathan's also did very well. There's just a very deep uh, lineup there, I think. And I think that's where you're going to have to look. I agree, yeah. And with both teams being so good offensively, they really have to bear down. they got to throw strikes, but they have to be very smart with their placement of pitches because mistakes in this series are going to get hit, and they're going to get hit hard. Oh, yeah, no, it's going to result very poorly if you do not do that. Plus, both teams seem to be a very swing-heavy offense. Both of these are two of the top offenses in the league. Yep. So you came in knowing it's going to be a lot of high scoring. So to see only eight runs through two games, in a way, surprising. It is surprising, but like we see on the flip side, you know, a couple of innings can change everything. Oh, yeah, no, definitely there. Uh, something I do want to kind of watch out for if I'm three rivers, especially with the strikeout issue. Uh, 24 times in two games is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of cases when you go 13 the one day and then 11 the next. Yeah, you're down, but if you strike out 11 times in a game, eventually it's going to come back to get you. 100%. And, and they're, they're lucky to be tied with those kind of stats. Oh, yeah, no, they they just got a bad Reyes start. Tonight, meaning Friday night, so you'll know the result when you list to the game. We have Chris Murphy going three rivers. This is in three rivers versus New Jersey's Justin Brantley. Stat line for uh, Murphy, 8-5, and five, 4.35, 86Ks. About 31 walks on the year. He averages about five and two thirds for a start. Brantley on the flip side, he's seven and six, 5.40 ERA, 77 Ks. Average starts normally about five and two thirds as well, and 34 walks. So it'll be very interesting to see. These seem like two very evenly pitched, uh, or about even pitchers, I'd say. Murphy coming off of uh, Pitcher of the Week nomination last week, though, so. I kind of get, get, I got to give the edge to him. Uh, yeah, I would give Murphy the edge, but you never know. I mean, I, I think. Oh, anything's possible. Anything's possible, but especially in a game like this, the weather's a little bit colder. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's a little bit colder in Canada than even it is here. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it'll be very difficult to see, you know, what, uh, how it pitches, how everybody pitches, how these two teams play. It could be very different depending on the conditions of the field and the atmosphere. Who's going to step up in these big moments? is really the difference between great teams and, and good teams. Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely going to be it. It's going to really be who blinks first, I think. Everyone's just going to try and avoid that big inning. Because once you get two or three runs on here, I see that being all she wrote. I think the magic number in each of these games is four. I if agree. you score four runs, you should be good. 100%. That's all assuming the bullpen still hold up, which with the way they pitched so far and in the recent past, i got to believe they're going to hold up and give up no more than two. So. Yep. So it's all about the starters, and it's all about, like you're saying, which starter blinks first, which starters brought his A game for the day, and mm. is really ready for that spotlight. Exactly. So I think kind of the keys going forward in this series for at least the next two, but possibly for the next three games, is you gotta get on the starter early, and you have to have a good start. If you don't, then it's gonna really be up and down, as you can't really rely on uh, getting on that bullpen. It's yeah, you very rough bullpen. Yeah. Looking forward. What do you think comes away with this series tied one apiece? 
I, I want to say the Jackals because they're our hometown team. Uh, exactly, they're nice and close. They're they nice advance every every game's on the table still. But let me tell you what Trey Ruvois has been playing just fantastic all year. Uh, they've really picked it up here toward the end of the season, and they're a hot team right now. Like you said, they got some big bats. They got really good starters. If they can get enough out of their bullpen, if they can get enough enough depth out of their bullpen, I think they win this series. I, I have to agree with that. I think this is going to go five. I think I mentioned that last week. This was the one I was thinking. This could definitely go five and wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. Uh, but I just don't see the Jackals pulling this out. I think despite having a lot of talented uh, bats like Stock, like Agrassi, like Marte, like Gregor, like Harris, like all these different guys, I just don't see it being quite enough to overcome the solid pitching there. And whatever those bats can do, the Agals can match equally with guys like Nathan, guys like Martinez and Gladeau and Gladu and all sorts of other guys. Even uh, Washington's not too bad either. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talent on that team, and I just I gotta think it's gonna go five. Uh, if they win tonight, I'm not sure they win tomorrow. I think it really comes down to who you throw out in that decisive uh, game four. I agree. Yeah, I think game four will tell us a lot about this series. But like you're saying, I think it's going to be very difficult for New Jersey to pull this off. The iGals are just, I mean, a fantastic club that has put together everything at the right time. Their pitching is together at the right time. Their bullpen is doing pretty well at the right time. Although, like I said, I don't love their depth. But their hitting has just been all season. They got some mashers. They got some guys who can just tear the cover off the ball. Exactly. They just, they're a team that can kill you in multiple ways. They can hit bombs. They can just nickel and dime you. Yep. Whatever it takes. They're like the inverse of Somerset in the way where they can just, <laughs> they just will do whatever they have to do to get going. And I should be interested to see if any of these guys, as teams get eliminated and as the season winds down, who jumps over to an Atlantic League that's still playing. I mean, we already saw Scott Richmond got moved over to there to complete an earlier trade, and I'm yep. sure we're going to see a lot more like that. Especially this past week, a lot of uh, American Association teams were moving their guys over here for future considerations, which, that's everyone's favorite player, future considerations. Yeah, I think that's going to continue to happen a lot, and it'll be very difficult for guys not to want to go. I mean, if you're on a Can-Am League team, let's say you're on the Jackals and you're Conrad Rigger and you get eliminated and there's a oh, spot there's for you. absolutely no reason. Right. To. Why wouldn't you? I mean, you're going to, one, you'll make an extra, a little bit of extra cash, but two, you also have the chance to win an Atlantic League championship if you're lucky. So. That and also you get more eyes on you. you more scouts to view you. And by and large, it just helps everyone out. The Atlantic League team gets a player that could be valuable to them. The Can-Am team gets future considerations from you. So you have to assume whomever would be sent back would be an instant upgrade. So, and who's to say that the guy you're sending over doesn't come back in the spring? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know? and, as is usual, right? Exactly. Like, usually they grab him for the playoff roster, and then they go back, and the guys go back where they're comfortable. Exactly. So, it'll be interesting to see that. Once again, that game's at 7 o'clock tonight. So, now we'll shift over to the Sussex and the Rockland series. Uh, this one was one of the ones where I was kind of leaning to, oh, this will be done in five. Rockland will steal one at home, and that will be all she- be not in five and four. Rockland will probably steal one at home, and then that'll be it. Celtics will go out on the warpath and just burn it all down, and we'll move on to the championship again. Not necessarily the case. Well, not after an eleven to three thrashing. Let me tell you. Yeah, I, I was listening to the radio broadcast last night, and I was not going to gripe about this too much. Academy got to fix your streaming. I want to watch the games. I don't want to have to ping around to different social medias to find it. Radio's nice. I'm able to do other things while I'm listening to it, but I prefer to watch the game, put it on my TV, and, you know, enjoy it like any other baseball game. So when it goes down to, don't be afraid to go, the service is down at the moment. We're trying to get it back up. People like to know that. Right, and the other thing is they've been up all year, right? So they've been working all year, and now when... Now they crash. Na- the now when we time. really need them, they've crashed, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a bit frustrating, especially because it was going up and down, and after only, like, 15 minutes of the Jackal game, it was down, and then I'm not sure what the problem was in Sussex. I know uh, the Jackal problem was Internet-related, so whatever it is, it is. But in any case, uh, back to the main point is uh, Sussex is... Yeah, Sussex, yeah. Sussex is a little bit... 
not at the point where they want to be right now. They're getting hit in the mouth a little bit. And I think tonight will be the turning point. If, uh, tonight, if they, if the Sussex County Miners can go out there in game three and get a W, then they'll be all right. If they lose tonight, though, they've been punched in the mouth and they're not going to recover from it because, yes, they have the bullpen pieces. We all know how dominant Sussex County's been. Jose Jose is one of the best in the Can-Am League. Um, you've got some really great bats. Unfortunately, if you go out there, though, and you lose again, that tells me something about that locker room that they have given up on this season. Yeah, I think that's a very good point on it. I was going to say uh, that, according to the broadcast last night, a similar loss happened uh, to Quebec last year, and then obviously Quebec turned that right around. So anything's possible here. But like you're saying, I think it plays on to how do they respond tonight? Uh, you know, we're about three hours from first pitch, and how they come out in that early going is really going to say a lot about this team. Uh, it was clear that last night, the game two, Rockland was determined to say, we're going to win this. I mean, they had a guy that was a very solid start, took him out, and then ran their best three closers out, our best three relievers out there. They ran Ponto, then they went Kennedy, and then they went Robbie Gordon. They were saying, it may be an eight-run game, but we're not going to lose this game today. We have to win it, and... That mentality showed. That mentality showed, and they hit the king in the mouth. They hit the best team in the Can-Am League. They walked up to him, and they hit him right in the mouth. And now it's the question of how will that locker room respond? How will those veterans in that locker room rally this team to see if this is going to be another championship team or if they don't have quite the same medal that last year's team does? Yep. So now before we get into a lot of the hot happy here, let's go ahead and just break this down for the two games that have happened since. Game 1, 10-3 Sussex victory. That put them up 1-0 in the series. A quality star from Frank Duncan. A runner-up for Pitcher of the Year in the Can-Am League. Uh, seven innings for him. Six runs, or six hits, not runs. Two runs, three three walks, four Ks. So not an overly gaudy uh, stat line for him, but certainly a quality start from him. Uh, as far as the Myers go, uh, everyone hit. Uh, everyone got on base at least once, except for uh, Jordan Scott. He did not reach base, but everyone else got on at least once. Most got on twice, and it was just, as you could tell from a 10-run outing, extremely uh, offensive. Uh, moving from there, though, Rockland just had a bad start. Uh, J.D. Buzzfeld just did not do his job. Uh, five innings, nine hits, four earned runs, five in total, though, one walk, four Ks. Not exactly great. However, the bullpen is really what did them in. Uh... Jamolia and Fishberg in two and a third from them, six hits, five runs, no walks, four Ks. That's not going to work from a bullpen there. That should be better. However, Mullery and Shirley did come in for one and two thirds innings, only one hit, only blemished their two Ks. So there are pieces in that pen that can still work. Offense stalled for them, 10 base runners on the day, uh, mostly coming through hits, but you know. Uh, not much production there. Only Colin Ferguson really producing in game one. Two for three, a, a base hit, a walk, and a solo shot. Uh, not terribly great for them in game one. Definitely struggled to get runs across the plate and even get guys on base. Yeah, I mean, I think game one was kind of the uh, the wake up call there for uh, the Boulders, and we're playing a, we're playing a team. You know, we're playing some guys now. We're we're not playing, uh, you know, just. Your middle of the road, you know, exactly. kind of middle of the pack team. You're playing probably the best, right? Exactly. They came in thinking, oh, it's going to be like when we just played them a couple days ago when it's the end of the season. Those teams don't really matter. We're all just kind of going there, which is kind of funny when you think about it. The playoff matchups as they were were the last uh, series of the week yep. for each of the teams. It's kind of interesting when you think about it, that. It is interesting. and I, I, think, I think it's telling, too. I think it is telling. I think Rockland figured... It was going to be the same Miners team, and the Miners came out, and they had a lot of energy. And and then the second game, like we'll see in a moment, the Boulders said, <laughs> "Yeah, the Boulders said, well, we're not going to get swept." So, uh, and and the Miners lost their energy. They figured they hit them, and they're good to go. They they really shelled the starter, like you're saying, and then really the bullpen just got buried. Um, I think Fishberg just got just punched oh, yeah. around. He got, he got knocked around a bit. I think he was uh, responsible for two of those runs and an inning of work. So not what you want to see out of that yeah, guy so there. He got batted around a little bit, and then so I think really what we're looking at is a team that we saw how Rockland got kind of um, you know hit in the mouth, like I'm saying, and and they kind of said, all right, we got to rally, we got to get back together, we got to come together as a team and figure out 
how we're going to beat them, you know, the next day. And I, I want to see if Somerset can react now after being dominant Sussex. in game one. Or excuse me, <laughs> Sussex can be, thank you, yep. can be dominant in, you know, after getting knocked around in game two and being dominant in game one. Can they come back in game three and, and really uh, kind of stick it to the boulders? Or will the miners kind of fall by the wayside? Yeah, now it's going to be interesting to see here as we look at game number two. 11-3 to final. Rockland, your champion on that one. Ties the series up at one apiece. Tom Burns just kind of imploded. Uh, three and a third, seven hits, six runs, all earned, two walks, four Ks. Not what you expect to see out of a playoff start. Uh, you really only had a good third inning. Every other inning was really a slog to try and get through there. Uh, they had to do a lot with bullpen arms, of which didn't do terribly well. Corey Jones came in. He settled things down a bit. Uh, Lars Agari came in. He had a rough go of it. Uh, he only went a third of an inning. He left two and then left the bases loaded when he went out. He wound up getting tagged for four runs. Coming in to kind of clean up that mess was uh, De Leon, who he managed to finish out the game. He didn't do too bad. He allowed another run, and then that kind of stemmed the bleeding there. But by and large, the bullpen needs to be better on their front. Also, talking Sussex, Syriaco and Zaharian were really the only offense. Each had a home run. rest of the team was 7 for 26. One run scored. That was off of a Syriaco shot and one walk. Uh, total batting average would have been about 269, so not terrible, but you still need better. Really, their problem is they just couldn't push anybody across the plate. Flip note on Rockland, uh, complete opposite was true. Uh, Zolkin with a quality start, six innings, seven hits, three runs, one walk, five Ks. Bullpen held strong, three innings of work. As mentioned earlier, Ponto, Kennedy, and Gordon all went. Three innings, three hits, no walks, or one walk, no runs, two Ks. So solid there. Every Rockland batter reached base, except for uh, Grant Parks. He failed to reach base. Uh, basically, the roles were reversed in this go-around. Yeah, and I, I think what, and that's very interesting that they kind of switched around there. It shows that these teams are uh, kind of evenly matched in some ways, but really I think it's also a change in mentality for both teams. I think it's mm. not being ready to play, uh, certainly for the starter on Sussex's end, but uh, on the other, on the flip side of it is the Boulders really, really being ready to go and when once first pitch happened, they were they were on them. They were on the miners, and like you said, even their manager was aggressive by making those moves in the bullpen. You know, aggressive. We're oh. going to win this game. We're not letting you get another run back. Oh no, Kevin Baez said this game is a must win, and every game in the playoffs is obviously a must win. But this one would have really been. You fall down 2-0, lose both games at home. It really is kind of like the, okay. Now we're going to Sussex. It's a ballpark, but you don't hit a lot of home runs for a team that kind of relies on the long ball. It's not really looking great here. It's uh, It was definitely a must-win, and he showed that there. Uh, so Jose Brizuela for Sussex got tossed in the fifth inning. Uh, he wasn't happy with a cold strike three, uh, and then him and the home plate manager, Grillo, were going back and forth, back and forth, and then that, you know, at least he getting tossed, and then Grillo started yelling at the Sussex bench. It was a, it was a whole mess. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, and and you gotta, you gotta love that though. I mean, that's fire. That's it's, yeah, it's definitely fire. But at the same time, you know what the strike zone is for five. Uh, even the Sussex radio is, you know, I don't want to say complaining, but they're pointing out how, oh well, uh, Burns he throws up in the strike zone. He throws up. He likes to be up in the strike zone. This umpire he has a low strike zone. You know, so it really isn't that much on Burns or anything like that. And they're putting a lot of blame on Grillo and whatnot. But at the same time. That's the umpire strike zone. Yep. If you want a default strike zone, that's what the Atlantic League has now. Granted, it doesn't work all the time, but <laughs> still, it's like you throw. If the strike zone's lower, I don't care if you like to throw up. You have to throw lower, otherwise right. you're going to be walking guys, like we saw. It's like, well, you got to adjust. And if he's not ready and he's not doing it, you need to go and say, all right, well, we got to burn an arm. Yep. All right, Lars, you need to go for three innings today. Okay, Corey, you need to go for three innings today. All right, we got to sacrifice someone here or there. It's just, I don't like blaming the umpire so much for that. And I get Brizuela. I understand the frustration, especially at that point. It's like an, about an eight to one game. It's not really looking great. Actually, I think it was, uh, no, they still hadn't gotten a run because the Zaharian home run came after that. So I understand you're getting punched in the mouth. It's frustrating. You don't like the strike zone, but at the same time, going back and forth isn't going to do any good, and you're hurting your team by getting gunned. You're one of the key bats on this team. If they want any chance of digging out of this hole, 
you need to be in this lineup, and it puts you kind of at a disadvantage here. I agree, but I think by the same token, if I'm the manager, if I'm Bobby Jones, I'm looking at it and going, you know what? That's what I like to see. That's that kind of fire you need when you're in a playoff game. And let's be realistic, there are chances of coming back from that 8 nothing. deficit. Oh, it was definitely gone. Definitely pretty much gone. So I think the fact that he got a little fiery, got tossed out, you know, sometimes that can have a really good effect on the team. Would I have liked to see maybe Bobby Jones get tossed out instead of one of the players? Probably. I would like to have seen the manager maybe get in there and, and to get tossed out instead. So this way, that can really be a catalyst Having played for a lot of years, once your manager gets tossed out, that really gets you gets you fired up, gets you going, and it really can be a catalyst um, of your energy uh, toward getting into uh, another rhythm, hitting that extra gear, and maybe getting a little bit of uh, something going for that game. Yeah, no, definitely. Although I do like, though, when a for opposing player gets tossed, they have to still walk by home plate and walk past the Rockland dugout to actually get to the locker room. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. It's like, uh, this seemed like a stadium design flaw. Oh, 100%. Like, maybe you shouldn't have had to make players have to walk all the way up and then through the stands to get there. <laughs> just, uh, just a bit of a problem. And isn't that the same way in Sussex County as well? No, you Sussex, you... Depends. Uh, technically, if I'm right, their one kind of locker room area is over by the Sussex bullpen. Right. So oh, you okay, do okay. have to kind of do that, but you don't really have to deal with uh, any fans or anything like that. There's a way to get there, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So there's, oh, there's kind of a roundabout way you can manage it. It's not the best, but once again, it's it's whatever it is, but it's just an interesting design for that. It is, yeah. But one thing I do want to kind of point out though in game two, if we're admitting going into the fifth inning that this game is out of reach, which I kind of assume that's what they were doing when you take Jones out, after just two and third, and then go to uh, Lars Ligari. I want to know why you don't make that decision to just keep with Lars. Why did you bother pulling him after a third of an inning? I understand he's getting lit up. Was it just like a mercy decision going, he's getting lit up, I gotta get him out of there? Or is it just, uh, no, let's just throw another arm out there. I would have thought, use up Lars' arm so we can save arms for tomorrow. And that might have been the better way to go about it, but I think you know, they have a plan for how they want to go about these things. And if someone was scheduled to throw that day that really needed the work, they might do it in that situation where you take Lars out and have somebody else who really needs to get in there, really needs to work. Uh, that would probably be one of those situations where you would do that, even in a, in a playoff game. And also, you don't want to completely admit defeat. And you certainly don't want to get... I mean, 20, it's 8-1 to one at that point. You don't want to get 20, 20 runs hung on you either. I mean, the worse the score like is... Like did last year. Yeah, sure. But the, the worse the, the score is, the worse it gets overall. And the worse the team is going to feel the next day, and the harder it's going to be to come out and kind of will yourselves to victory. I suppose. It just it would be one of those things I would have thought. At least try and get them through the inning. So that way you can at least save a little bit of an arm in case you run into this problem now. Well, it's tonight, but it will be yesterday when you're listening to this. But for game three, Jeff Thompson's going to be going. If Thompson has a bad start, which he probably won't, but if he does, now you kind of use up all your long arms. Yeah. What's I, your I plan agree. there? I agree. I, I'm not saying it's the right way to do it, but it, it was what, what Bobby Jones decided to do there, and I don't know if that was the – I certainly wouldn't have done it that way. I would have just had some guy be my mop-up guy and take one for the team <laughs> a little yeah, bit there. I feel like, yeah, it's just one of those times, especially like uh, – it's almost like – in hockey, when you put your back up in one day and he's just getting shelled, it's just one of those things. Where, like, like I understand you let up five, but we really need to give this guy a day off. So I really need you to do that. I really need you to just keep taking your medicine. Exactly. So I mean, one thing they do have going for them though is Jose Jose and uh, Newell have not pitched this whole series, so they have multiple days of rest. They could Jose could probably go two innings if he needed him, and Newell can give you that closer inning. Yeah, so. I think he, he if, if we get to a close game, we haven't yet. Yeah, exactly. If we do get to a close game, Jose Jose can really uh, be he the can guy. Eat any. Yeah. That, and you still have Grandal who pitched one inning on Wednesday, so he could be that guy too, I guess. I yeah. suppose if you really want to go to Lars again, you could do that. I wouldn't do that, but I would I would put Jose Jose in there if things get bad, because even if you use him in the early innings, it's, he's a great guy to just stop the bleeding. I mean, he's he really is someone who can just slam the door shut for an inning or two. Exactly. I think he's kind of got to be, uh, you got to go with a new age kind of style of managing a bullpen, at least at this point where you go. Your best closer, your best reliever has to be used when you need him the most exactly. and not necessarily as a closer. Yeah. I think that's just what you got to do if you're in this series because it looks like 
any game can go any way, so you just need to get the wins when you can, which showed with Baez last night going, it may be an eight-run game, but we need to win the game. I'm going to run my best three. Yeah, so. especially with Sussex's offense, you never know. Exactly. So let's kind of preview game three, and then I think we'll be just about done for the week. Uh, game three, it will be tonight, but yesterday when you're listening to it, uh, at Sussex County, so the venue switches. One and one is the series. Jeff Thompson will take the hill for the Miners, 11 and 3, 3.68 ERA, 96 Ks, 40 walks, and the average is about six and a third innings per start. To be determined, it's the pitcher for, uh, for the good old Boulders. I believe it was mentioned on the broadcast last night, but I don't recall, and nowhere did the list the starter, so, I am assuming it's going to either be Edelson Alvarez or Edward or Edgar De La Rosa. Those are really the only two stars they have left. I suppose they could run uh, Tommy Shirley out there, but he's really more of a closer, and I think it's more effective there. Or not closer, but a reliever, and uh, it's far more effective there. So that could be, uh, those are really the two guys I'm looking for. If it's Alvarez, this seems like golden making now for the Miners. He's yeah. been very rough so far, and I think they can take advantage of him. Yeah, I think uh, no matter what happens, I do think the Miners will probably, no matter who's starting, I think the Miners will probably come out uh, successful this evening. I think they really have a, a strong team, like we've said, and if they respond well internally, um, then they come out ready to play baseball, and, don't, and their starter doesn't get, if Thompson doesn't get hit around uh, too bad in the early innings, I think this team is potent enough offensively and has the bullpen to come out on top in a kind of a make-or-break game for this series, really. Yep, I agree with that. Bobby Jones is the motivator. He's going to get their guys, his guys ready for a critical game three that's going to determine everything here. Uh, Jeff Thompson is probably the second-best guy they got on this whole staff for as far as pitching goes. So he's the guy you want pitching this kind of a game. I don't see them having any problems. You go to the friendly confines of Skylands, where you're going to have a large crowd tonight, almost certainly. Likewise, it's going to be hard to hit home runs out of that ballpark. A lot of stuff just dies in that outfield. So that's going to hurt the Rockland offense an awful lot. And it's going to play into your offense an awful lot. So I think everything's kind of shifting for the Miners here. Although a loss tonight could very easily be a death blow to this team. It's going to be very interesting to see... Who comes out on top tonight? Yeah, I think tonight's going to be a little bit of a dogfight, like you're saying, because you're not going to have that one swing that's going to change everything. Things, especially with it being colder here, it's going to be in the 50s this evening. Yep. The ball is not going to get out of Skyland Stadium especially very Especially because there may be a little bit of rain, too, so that's going to kind of drag down a little bit. Yep, drag it down a little bit, and you know, you're just not going to have, with the cold, between the cold and the rain, you're not going to have a lot of balls getting out of Skyland Stadium tonight, so I think it's going to be, like I said, a dogfight, and that favors the Miners. And it does an awful lot. I think the key is kind of going forward for at least the next two, but possibly three games. You have to attack the pitcher. you got to take your cuts. Right now, there really has been a dominant force on the mound in any one of these games, so if you see a pitch you think you can drive, you got to swing at it. Swing first is really how I'd go. Uh, you got to kind of make them throw pitches as well. As we kind of saw last night, Kennedy got through his inning real quick, four pitches. Gordon threw 18. So if you can make these guys throw pitches, you can help yourself out later on. And then I'd say just you got to drive in the guys. Miners had a major issue with that. There was a minor issue with, a minor's issue, but a minor issue <laughs> with that in game one for Rockland where they just weren't able to get the guys across. It's when you got guys on, you got to get them in. And whoever does these things, I think, has the series. So be an awful telling tonight. Yeah, I think... You're right. Whoever leaves the least amount of guys on base will wind up prevailing, not only tonight, but in the series. I think the more, uh, and also for, this is kind of the big thing is, can Sussex County and the Boulders, can they both kind of be able to stem the flow of the really the bleeding of offense that has been bellowed out of each of these teams in the first two games? Who can ever stop that? is going to be the team that prevails, who can ever stop the bleeding the most. I mean, obviously both teams offensively quite potent, but whoever can really kind of slam the door on that will be the team that uh, prevails. And it's really preventing that bad start off the bat, I think. It's really a matter of, kind of similar in the other series, you can let that big bad inning happen early on. Because if you let that happen early on, you're already setting yourself up. But once again, it's going to be interesting to see tonight, I think. Yeah, no doubt. And whoever can stop that maybe first or second inning implosion will definitely come out uh, on top. Yep, of course. So I think we've kind of covered the Can-Am pretty good. I think we covered the Atlantic pretty good. 
we know Frontier is in the middle of their uh, playoffs right now, River City. We're pulling for you guys, being that this is your last uh, hurrah. Hopefully you can at least bring one championship there. Uh, same goes for Kansas City on their flip side, being that their lease situation is very much in the air at the moment. Don't really know anything, that's why I haven't updated anything. So hopefully we'll find out more about their lease, but if not, hopefully they can repeat as champions there and at least give their fans something positive to remember if the worst is to happen. Uh, we'll kind of update all that next week once we know the results of how those playoffs work out, but at the moment, nothing much to talk about, so we'll leave that till next week. And also next week, planning on announcing something with involving the polls that we had, if you remember, back in the beginning, like up to like episode 8 or 9, we did polls, but no one actually, you know, ever answered the polls, so we kind of killed that. But I got an idea for the polls, we're going to bring them back starting next week, so definitely pay attention and stay tuned for that. But uh, unless we have anything else to add, go miners. then uh, I think we're all good to plug and leave. So you can catch us at the ballpark, or you would have caught us last night. It's hard to remember past and present tense when you're doing this. <laughs> but So you can find us on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieBallReport. Uh, we are on multiple podcatchers, so Tune in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Podomatic, but we're probably going to be leaving there fairly soon, being that we're running out of storage, and I'm not going to be paying for limited storage when I could pay for unlimited somewhere else. So probably don't subscribe there, but do for the other ones. Uh, moving from there, next thing we got, the website. Take a look at that. We got more articles coming up fairly soon. There's some videos up there whole bunch of stuff there and all the show notes and episodes are also on the website that is indieballreport.com so take a look at that also there's a youtube channel that has all those videos i just mentioned on that that's indie ball report podcast on youtube so look it up it'll be there a lot of cool stuff there uh that's about all we got in the way of plugging stuff so until next time don't forget to play ball